the league presents electric people what's up everybody welcome to another episode of electric people we have sunrun leader joe rupel with us what's up joe yo ty what's going on man great to have you as we were getting started here we were talking about interviews and generally how they go and i was like just be open and joe's like you got no problem with me being open which i know about you yeah yeah that's interesting um i really try to make it a point in every conversation i have with people to um on a little lower level i guess speak my mind um it's really hard sometimes for for people to accept some things that that others say when it's open and honest but i really try to build that rapport and, and relationships with people by being direct being open and honest and it's even sometimes it's not the easiest thing to hear um, and I expect I like to expect that from people for myself as well. Yeah, I think you're a great example of that. One of my favorite Joe Rupel stories that I don't know the whole story of is Jersey Joe was a amateur wrestler. Amateur wrestler? Uh, we're talking. <laughs> were you paid to wrestle? Yes. Professional wrestler, uh, okay. right there. There you go. We're talking WWE style wrestling. I've seen the flyer. How in the world did that come to be? Um, Interesting enough, my, my best friends growing up, we were hardcore WWF fans, World Wrestling Federation. You're in fans. good company? Yes, yes. What? Who was like your guy? Uh, Ultimate you? Warrior. Oh, oh, so you're an OG. Yeah, yeah me too. Absolutely. Yeah. I had the, the Million Dollar Man wrestling buddy. <laughs> awesome. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, I actually had the Macho Man one. Yes. R.I.P. Razor Ramon. You see Razor Ramon yeah, died just the passed other day? away, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah that seems to be a trend with the, the community. Living rough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it it all started back in the day and we were sitting there in our little gym exercising and we said to ourselves, hey, why don't we, why don't we wrestle and and do what they do on TV? Probably the absolute worst thing (laughs) any kids in their 14, 15 year olds would ever do. It just sounds like passing away, waiting to happen, doing that, right? Um, But what's interesting is we took it very serious. Uh, My dad at the time, he, he actually, years before this, he worked for in Philadelphia where they would have the shows I believe it's veteran veteran stadium or something I forget but he like would like the big arenas yeah the arenas he would help build the the wrestling rings before the shows years ago hmm. so he kind of heard our idea and he's like you know what I'll just build you a wrestling ring in the backyard this is crazy. It's crazy. And it's exactly what he did. You're like, I, he's like, I happen to know how to construct one. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, he built it. We built it a little differently. It was way to go get the turnbuckles and the ropes and <laughs> splice everything. I helped him with everything, but he was the mastermind behind it. I happened to be running, uh, managing AMC Movie Theater at the time. So we ended up getting a ton of these banners and posters from the movie theater, right? And we hung them all around the yard, and it made it look like an arena. <laughs> and we got chairs and set, and set the chairs out this there. This in Philly? This was in New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah, in the back okay. in Blackwood, New Jersey, in the backyard. So then we had to start figuring out, okay, what does the crowd want? And I, I guess I ended up being the Vince McMahon, you know, right. coming up with the, the ways that are going to attract people to hate you or like you in the in in the ring so you developed the drama the drama the story so i developed the stories i wrote all the stories down gave everyone characters and we ended up practicing and practicing and practicing until we we had everything look exactly real the problem was was that we weren't professionally trained so the things that looked real were real we were actually getting concussions and getting really injured and it was it was a mess in the beginning 
But over time, Kevin and I, we decided to go to professional wrestling school, Pretty Boy Larry Sharp's Monster Factory in New Jersey. So we went there, paid money. What a they, great name. Yeah, they, they trained us how to do wrestling moves and everything. How old were you? I was six, 17. So yeah. is this like in, you're out of high school or you're doing I was still it? in high school. So you just do yeah. it like I was still in high school and, and I, was, I was managing a movie theater at the time. Pretty Boy Larry's Monster Factory. Monster Factory, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a great experience. Uh, and then we, we started the shows and we, paid, we had people pay for tickets to come in to the show. We had a concession stand where we would sell stuff. And then... People Where was the show? In my backyard. Oh, so yeah, the backyard had, ring was the spot. Was the show, yeah. And what's interesting is the first show was just absolutely jam-packed. Oh, really? Jam-packed. How'd you advertise for it? Um, just word of mouth. Yeah, they bought tickets. It's about $10 a ticket. Then the concessions were, of course, like the movie theater, inflated three times uh -huh. the money, right? So we made a little money. But the main, the main part where we made our uh, real money was through selling VHS tapes of videos of the actual <laughs> show. Yeah. So we would sell them for $20 each. We sold a ton of them. So we made a lot of a good. At the, You're like the original yeah. backyard wrestling. It was, that was a it whole was right, phenomenon yes. that like right took over. That. Mm -hmm. It was right around that, that time where you started seeing things uh, come out with that type mm -hmm. of thing. So we learned from our experiences. Uh, we, so we started having another match, but we would recruit people to have, we called them, we called them shitty freestyle matches. They were matches before our main match. That the openers. Yeah, the openers, right? Yeah, yeah. The ones where people were like, ah, oh, this they, they suck, they don't do good. <laughs> and then when we came out, it was just a big show, right? Yeah. And it was, it was real for us. It was really awesome. Then we started having people from other organizations come in and watch us. People from ECW, Extreme Championship mm -hmm. Wrestling. People from uh, CZW would come in. Did you watch ever get any, anybody from the crazy, like, Mexican channel? You ever seen, like, yeah, the Mexican the wrestling? The luchadors. With, like, <laughs> man, they go, yeah. Well, and, like, the midget wrestling where they'll, like, do all the crazy acrobatics yeah. and stuff. Yeah, what's, what's interesting is the type of wrestling that we did was violent. So it, w it was the jumping off the roof through the tax and fire tables. It was hitting each other with barbed wires. It was the cheese graters. It was all the things that you, at the end, people really knew that you got hurt. And we did a lot of the times, but that was the idea behind it. All we cared about was the crowd reaction. We did anything we possibly could to get crowd reaction. Yeah. So over time, um, I ended up getting pretty injured around 20 years old. Uh, so I, I just ended up just stopping doing it and that was the end of my wrestling career basically <laughs> yeah i didn't know that, i didn't know it was that deep and deliberate i should have yeah. known i know you fairly well and everything you do is relatively deep and deliberate but i've seen the flyer yeah so that flyer that you saw um was with a belt right i had mm -hmm. a wrestling belt so i was the part of the organization that came along with the pretty boy larry sharp's monster factory was the world wrestling alliance it was just a subsector organization where we would go wrestle in front of just the community crowds and you get paid for that and it was interesting that for some reason in those organizations it's it's of course choreographed right the storyline is there and i was always proud because they allowed me to keep the belt for so long i kept the belt for a year and a half without having them make me lose basically right yeah so they what I found out was that I guess they liked the storyline of how it was but my main focus was having collegiate style wrestling mixed with a professional wrestling style so I would use like cross face chicken wing as finishers mm. and and do actual college wrestling style yeah, yeah. 
and then That's merge cool. that in with the, I guess, the choreographed world of, of, of stuff, doing backflips off the back ropes and jumping out of the rings, things, high flyers, they call them. I would do that type of stuff. It was pretty fun. That's amazing, man. Think you still got it in you? Should we do like an exhibition at the next like conference? <laughs> That's so funny. Let's bring him back, dude. <laughs> we had a um, a reunion about five years ago. You and the rowdy neighborhood with our guys. guys. Yeah, with with Matt, Scott, Kevin Fletcher. They're all three brothers, and myself. We had a reunion, and I did uh, computer graphics and design, and put all our videos together, and made it something interesting for us. And we sat down and we talked about it. It was like a twenty-year reunion, basically That's something wild. like that. It was really cool, really cool, but we say it every day. We'll, we'll go back out there and beat the hell out of each other again anytime. <laughs> okay, well, we'll film it. Yeah, that, How about that? Exactly. That's awesome. So that's just one of your many things. Like, I think, I think part of the reason that makes you so impactful as a leader. So we met when you came over here from the East Coast working for Vivint Solar at the time. Yeah. And took a leadership role. Well, actually came in and kind of worked your way up in the leadership role on the West Coast because we didn't know each other and the teams were in different situations. Sure. Um, but, you know, the way you work has always been really interesting to me. So I hope we get to get into a little bit of like your philosophy and what works and things like that. But before even getting into sales and after professional wrestling, you were doing endurance racing. Right? Uh, so that was after after wrestling. I, I went into a different route. Oh, did I say before? I meant after. Yeah, after. Yeah. So I went into a different route after wrestling um, and started doing bodybuilding. Mm. I was always involved in the heavy lifting. But now it was more like just visual shape of the body, not just looking good to throw someone over the ropes kind of thing. Um, I was actually a very thin, thin kid. I was only probably 150 pounds when I was 18. Hmm. So that's why a lot of the bigger organizations at that time didn't recruit me in. Um, I had the good high flying thing, but I didn't have that, that size that people are like oh wow he's big never had that i thought they fixed that like chemically with with people in wrestling don't they you th yeah, yeah they definitely did. they can so, do to change your body type basically basically <laughs> so over, over time I, I get sucked into this this world of wrestling right going to the school and then then you end up now being from 155 you're 220 pounds, yeah weird right yeah all of a sudden weird how that happens let's just skip over that time <laughs> but yeah i remember hey wrestling knowledge i remember when X-Pac from Degeneration X mm -hmm. came in as the one, two, three kid. Yeah. And he was little. Yeah, he was really And now tall. he's not little. At least he wasn't when I watched wrestling. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, those things, they take, definitely take a toll on your body and your heart long term. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very serious stuff. But I would say that it's a necessity because it's a, an atmosphere where everyone else around you is doing things like that. And in order to be successful, a lot of times that's the mentality that they sink into you and make you believe that that's the way to be successful in wrestling. And unfortunately, it doesn't have to be that way. You'll notice nowadays, I don't really watch it too often anymore, but you'll notice nowadays that a lot of the guys are not like that. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the guys are not really so monstrous like they used to be with being that bodybuilder type in the ring wrestling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little different. So you got into bodybuilding then after that? Yes, got into bodybuilding. Um, great times but it just it's weird when you're when you're so big it, it just felt so immobile i just did, i couldn't i couldn't run fast i couldn't do anything that i that i used to do I, I grew up being a baseball player and being a bodybuilder was just a weird transition hmm. from being mobile and kind of gumby you know yeah to, yeah. to not being able to touch my back <laughs> you know you yeah. couldn't even put your arm behind to touch your, you back. your muscle like jacket on you were like zipped into yeah, it exactly um so I ended up going through that transition and uh, for a long time. I really did and got big, real strong, lifted a lot of weight, 
and I had a huge ego. Let's just say that. Thought I was, <laughs> thought I was the stuff, basically. Yeah. You know, and it, and it didn't matter how much you made doing it. It's always that comparison. It was always that weird comparison. And as I get older, it, those comparisons, when it comes to exercise, I don't have that anymore. I have it in a different way. I'm comparing myself now to those who have statistics. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. But it does something to you, right? Like it's weird how like knowing you now, like a path like that, like figuring out a storyline, figuring out how to entertain, figuring out how to put on a production. That's like a little team, right? And then in 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 bodybuilding, okay, well now you got to like work your discipline, and there's days you don't want to do stuff. It, it's funny because now seeing how it kind of shook out, it doesn't surprise me all that much, but who would have thought from wrestling to bodybuilding to endurance racing to door-to-door sales, but it's not that weird, you know? No, no, the, the actual names of the things is pretty weird, yeah. but, but the concept of the, the discipline behind it, that discipline stemmed from many years ago. So having discipline was nothing new to me. Even when I was bodybuilding, I wasn't allowed to have a grain of sugar or any fruit, nothing with sugar in it for three months straight. And then your reward afterwards was called the cheat meal, right? And you have whatever you want and then you go back on a program again. Yeah. It it was just a really tedious time to be able to train yourself how to be very disciplined with certain aspects. And I think that those times have helped me grow into where I am now, where the discipline's there. You know, discipline meaning willpower. You know, not discipline and like beating someone up for not doing something. Yeah, not disciplining <laughs> yeah. somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's, that's kind of where I'm at in, in my stage of life right now where I just feel that it's a lot easier to be disciplined in the things that I do just because of my past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, now you're running. It, I want to talk a little bit about the year you've had, maybe jump around a little bit, or the couple years you guys have had. So East LA is the team you run with Rich Accorier and with Dave Edwards. And the story of East LA is so awesome to me. Just, I mean, you guys are really turning heads now, right? Teams ahead in the revolution, just smashing fools. By the time this airs, maybe you're champions, who knows? But, um, you know, I, you guys have been through a lot. And I think people get a lot through the stories. So maybe talk to us, maybe starting at like COVID with um, how you guys navigated that. So to give some context, uh, a lot of the, the, the riots and things that happened just due to like, it was probably spawned by the, uh, George Floyd thing. And then just mm-hmm. like the, like kind of the racial conversation, but you live in long beach. And I remember it was, ha- this stuff was happening outside your, 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 your building, right? Like yeah. people rioting and starting, I mean, starting buildings on fire and things like that. You guys also are LA County and stayed locked down a lot longer with COVID and had to get creative with how you work. So maybe just like talk to us about that story and then um, maybe what the team, how the team has evolved. Cause now the team is crushing. It's no surprise. I don't think a lot of people know where it came from. Yeah. So when, when COVID hit, it was a, it was a shock for, I guess the entire industry. And we were, everyone was forced to kind of sit at home for a few months and make phone calls. So the leaders, Dave, Rich, and myself, we had to figure out a way to, to, I guess you guys even helped us out significantly with that as well and provided us all this information of how to uh, go about of doing the phone calls. We weren't experts on that. Yeah, we and always joke that we turned from like a like an outside sales company to an inside sales company within like five days. Yeah, right? it, it was pretty quick. And then it was really the matter of who took it serious rather than a vacation. And I know 
I sure as heck took it serious. Yeah. I made a lot of phone calls. And at the end of that quarter, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, let's just say. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people who just took it as a vacation. And as we know in this industry, every day, week, and month that goes by that you don't work, there's, it just means somewhere in the future for that duration you just won't get paid. Right. And then that's just setting yourself up for a, a negative future, whether it's long term or short term. So we had a lot of the guys really doing it. And a lot of the guys did well for something that they never even knew how to do. But then as soon as it, I think it was June, they, they gave us the allowance to go knock doors with with the mask on. Man, I was the first. I was like, I'm jumping out there. I don't care. I'm the first person out there to knock doors. I know the leaders. We were all ready to go. Um, but a lot of people, they, they shut down. They were scared of COVID. I've never been the person to be scared of anything. So COVID didn't scare me at all. I know that people had personal experiences with passing away of family members and things like that. Um, And for myself, I also have had that. I just never allow it to to get to to myself to prevent myself from continuing to be successful. So I just got out there and pumped hard. And it's just like anything else. If the leaders are pushing hard, everyone's going to follow suit. Right. And that's exactly what happened. But it was still a struggle. There was still a significant amount of people in the office who were still scared of COVID, the whole quote, quote, excuses kind of thing. Um, So how long do you go with that excuse? Right. Well, and I remember like the management question at that time was really like that's complicated because, okay, we are locked up completely for like three months. Right. Yeah. Maybe more. I think it was like almost three, four months. Then you can go out, but different people have really different experiences. So, for, and especially in LA County, right? There's it's a very densely populated area with just so many different backgrounds and beliefs and stuff. And so we're masked up and sanitized up and all that stuff going knocking. But then you have people on the team that say, I don't feel comfortable knocking. Well, I think 10 years ago in a sales environment, you're like, get out and knock and, and, it's good. Or you could say, okay, well, you got to perform or you're termed. Now you have to look at that and say, is this an excuse? Mm-hmm. Are you actually scared and how do I support you? So how did you guys navigate that? Yeah. So it was always for me, I guess my management style is never to just tell someone to go do it. It's never, if someone comes to me and says, Hey, I'm having a hard time on the doors. I never just say, Hey, just go out and work. That's the solution. Cause it's not, there's always an underlying reason why someone's not working. So I, I, I become the, the non-licensed like psychologist, you know, yeah. and I try to seek to understand to really, really figure it out asking just as I would with a homeowner, just try to seek to understand what their concerns and you know, concerns are, why they're not moving forward. Right. And I, I do that with the reps, and it seems to help a lot because now we can have a real human conversation rather than just a dictator. Yeah. Yeah, and if you lead it with what your impression is, often you don't get there. But it's a different time, especially do 2021 in L.A. County with the different, like, I don't feel safe, I don't feel heard, I don't, I, there is an actual pandemic. Uh, there's no leadership book on how to do that, right? But it was really then, your team's always done good, but it was then where they kind of started to really separate. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was interesting. I guess it, sometimes it takes time to click in, right? We have reps all the time that that they go through combine training, and we have we have my pitches the standard way that we train our reps in the office from combine. But a lot of the times, reps try to reinvent their own wheel and go out there, and it's just not successful. And maybe it takes them six months or eight months before they realize, hey, damn, I should have just 
listen from the beginning, the way that it was working for the ones who were successful at this. And we have that a lot. A lot of people just, and I, and I really respect that from people, that they try to take their own way. But I respect it more that they come back and they, they just ante up to it. They, yeah. they just say, hey, you know what? I screwed up. Now let's try to fix this and move forward. A lot of people, they, they're grow, they grow up thinking that they know exactly how to do things all the time. When everything that I try to help reps with is, is based on my past failures. Everything that I do. It's like, hey, I, I went through that already like 10 times. So you might want to not go that route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, um, when you guys started figuring out and doing the calls and starting to figure out getting guys back out, and you were obviously a great example of it, it's, it's pretty hard to say get out and work if you're not getting out and work and I know that you were out there doing it but then you guys outgrew the office space and and because of like LA County rules couldn't necessarily be in the office with the amount of people that we had and then eventually we just straight up outgrew it and so your home has been in a park the, yeah. the team clubhouse is outdoors and I remember it was funny I remember during that time I came to visit the team and I was like yeah let's just meet in a park and we got kicked out you remember that yes like it's so funny because it's like you guys run such a significant like revenue driving business for a very important industry, but the dude that's job to cut that grass in the park, he don't care who you are. Right. So like, I just remember we go out and meet, I'm like, these guys meet in a park and I'm like, all right, that's gritty. I'm down with that. So I go down and we're training and, uh, what was like a, what is it? A park ranger or like a, like a public park something that it was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So guy comes up and is like, you have to leave. I'm in the middle of training. You guys talk to him like, Hey, and then I just remember looking over and like, Hey, he says five minutes and we all got to go. And it wasn't over in five minutes and they kicked us out. Mm -hmm. That's how you've run your team. So it's funny because people are like, man, we need faster internet. We need TVs. We need all this stuff. You've been in a park for how long? I would say over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Still. Still. Right. We got a lease coming, but just the time. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. But that comes to an interesting point where you have scenarios where we all at the moment think that they're serious. Right. All these changes within the company. I mean, you've been with the company a lot longer than me, but I've even seen so many different changes. And it's kind of the concept of adapt or die. And if you if you allow these changes to just prevent you from continuing to work or be successful that's detrimental to your career yeah i believe that so we're even going through the neo to splat programs right now and even the little twerks and quirks that are within it's it's really up to us to figure them out right we can't be blaming any other departments on these things the reasons why we're not going out and producing more that's just silly to me you know a lot of people allow the negative things to get into their heads and prevent them from working. Um, COVID shouldn't be stopping people. You know, um, riots should not be stopping people from, from their own success. Uh, not having an office should not be stopping people from their own success. Problems with splat should not be <laughs> delays in the pro- it shouldn't have We shouldn't be allowing that to get in our minds. And it's surprising to me how many people do allow it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting too because the, you know, like if you think of like, some of these like star athletes, these people that have like made it, you know, or are making it right now. It's not like they haven't had those times when it almost didn't work out or they almost lost or that, right? Like yeah. that's, it's, it's weird that it surprises us when things go bad, weird, hard, whatever, because it's, it's probable. That's generally how it happens, right? So it's like, we always see the result now, but we don't see that, man, that athlete 
is where he is, despite the fact that he didn't have support at home or he didn't have the money to go to college or he was kicked off these teams earlier or he lived in a rough part of town, whatever, right? And so it's weird. Like you almost, you guys have found a way kind of to embrace it, keep it light and deal with the fact that, you know, hey, this is our situation right now. Like can't fit in the office, can't go into the office, still can knock, we're masked up. We, whatever, we just roll with it, right? But it's funny now because that was a year and a half ago, but seeing you guys now, I mean, you're, 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 you're smashing, you've broken the 50 welcome call metric how many times in a row now? And I mean, you're pacing for 300 install a quarter upfront production, despite all of that. And even more, I mean, while you're meeting in the parks and having these things, I mean, you guys lost a team member out there. Like, I mean, we did, yeah. so if you wouldn't mind, like tell the story about that. I don't think a lot of people know. About yeah. Um, there was a, it was an interesting, weird, sad story. Uh, I never miss correlation. I'm one of those people that I have that internal feeling of just uh, nauseousness anytime I'm about to be late for something Mm -hmm. or that I miss something, right? When it comes to work. And for that particular day, I just, I was just not feeling good at all. And I'd reached out to Dave and Rich and I said, Hey guys, I'm not going to be able to make it. I kind of knew there was going to be a correlation where we were going to play kickball. It was mm-hmm. going to be a fun day, and yeah. I just knew I just wasn't going to be able to hang, right, mm-hmm. Out at the <laughs> kickball at the park, right? Um, so one of our reps, um, Michael Gulab, Mike, we call him Goo, um, he, he apparently was having some breathing issues and, and essentially uh, passed away from those breathing issues uh, at the park. And it was very sad, and uh, Goo was someone that – I know it's like Dave Edwards' best friend, and and it was very hard for him. Um, it was very hard for the office to witness that kind of thing as well. Yeah, because they were there when they were trying yes. to revive him and when he loaded up into yeah. the ambulance and all that. Yeah, one of our reps was uh, trying to give mouth-to-mouth CPR. Um, then finally the ambulance came. I believe it was probably too late at that point. I'm not sure, but uh, I would say it's a very sad situation for the team to witness something like that. It was actually better off that nobody was there to witness something like that you know traumatic yeah yeah because it's something that they're always going to have in their mind and it did affect some of the reps and they ended up not being able to work with us anymore because of something like that um but that was very very tragic and um we had to figure out a way and we reached out immediately to you guys met dave Matson and yourself to try to figure out how can we handle something like that right because it was very new to me to be able to how to how do i how do we address this the team for something like this we know what's appropriate right exactly so i would really appreciate your help with that yeah yeah it uh it was cool for me to see that any one of these things it's hard because like our teams are not like work partners right like i mean they're they like you said he's like one of dave's best friends who's 32 right like i mean and totally completely unexpected and he had you know extended family and all this kind of stuff but the cool thing is like, so understanding that the territory had had riots, you'd had COVID, you'd had no space, now a loss of a team member, you know, traumatically and tragically in front of everybody. But the cool thing is what happened next, because I think a lot of people might've been like, Hey, like I need to just take a break. This is all too much. Right. But I remember you guys talking to Dave and saying like, Hey, like, let's rally for goo you know so talk about what you guys were able to do for the family and for the team yeah so i've always i've always had that uh mindset where let's turn a bad situation into a good 
I've even taken it as far as my mom passed away on July 16, 2003, and I made sure that I got married to Maggie on July 16, when we got married. So now it's not a sad day that my my mom passed. It's actually a happy day because I got married that mm-hmm. day, and that's my anniversary every year. We can memorize that and memorize this. So we we took that concept and and did that for Goo as well. It was more like, hey get out there push hard as you can if you want to donate an account to to do to goo and and uh and his family and it seemed like a lot of people got motivated over that and uh went out there for goo and just pushed hard on over time it it kind of transitioned into the mindset where hey I did that for goo, but why can't I do that for other people who have passed away in my family? Why can't I do that for myself? Yeah. It's kind of a learning experience like that. Yeah, it was cool. And I, I know it brought a lot of relief. Like you guys were able to raise those funds and, Mm -hmm. you know, cover funeral costs for the family and, and the team exited stronger. I feel like no matter like Ryan holiday wrote this book called the obstacle is the way. And it's about that. It's like, you know, one of the things I've often half joked about in California is there's not much resistance, so it's harder. You'd think that's opposite. There's not much resistance, so it's easy. But it's like the weather's pretty much always good. I mean, we work outside, and there are very, very, very few days in a year where you can't work outside. I would almost say there's not any, especially talking to someone from Jersey and Philly, right? Like, yeah. oh, it's a little bit rainy, and Jersey Joe's like, is it? <laughs> is it? Is it a little rainy? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's like, but think about that. Like a lot of times it's like, you know, politics are generally supportive of solar in the state of California. The people love the product. It saves them money. There's massive adoption here. The income's incredible. The weather's great. The, the, the environment for people to install, it gets a little hot, but it's, you know what I mean? Like all of these things are good. It's not like you get a chance every now and then to be like, Hey, we need to show up and show the storm, how tough we are, show the situation, how tough we are. But you guys really were able to do that multiple times as Eastdale. And you became like, a, you know how when you go through something with somebody, like now you have added trust. And the people that I come when, or people that I see when I see your team, they're the same people now. So it's like, you've been here and you've been here and you've been here and you're part of the group. And, and now you've got a culture of East LA is just about it. You know what I mean? Like you guys go out and you produce office, whatever, COVID, whatever, right? It's downtown. All right. Like loss of a team member. Yes, that was hard, but we're still here, you know? And so now it's really cool because you guys are blowing up the the competition boards and you're blowing up the, you know, like the region reports and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And to a lot of people, it's like, where did these guys come from? Yeah. it was. But if you've seen it, exactly, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. I'll I'll just take a step back to what you said about the weather real quick. Um, New Jersey, we would, we would knock in the snow, the rain, it wouldn't matter. We just put our little poncho on or, or our earmuffs and everything. We didn't worry about iPads overheating. We worried about them <laughs> freezing, like shutting down. Cause you get those customers before. that are like, what are you doing? Yeah, I pulled out some pictures of the, even the install crews out there install in the ice and snow. Yeah, they'd bring those like, um, <laughs> what are those things for? Like the torch guns, they're like to lay composite shingle, right? Yeah. But they would use it to melt ice. Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting though, I would say, coming out to California, I have become a little more, I guess, bitchy. <laughs> I have, I really have. A little more, little more precious over yeah, there? Yeah, a little no? more precious. Because <laughs> my wife just made fun of me the other day. She's like, hey, you never wear a jacket, ever. 
She's like, why, why are you wearing a jacket? I'm like, because it's like 58. Because it's brisk, yeah. honey. She's like, but out there, when it was, was 30, you were out there with no jacket. Yeah. You know? So I said, yeah, I guess I'm getting old. Yeah, <laughs> getting soft. You guys have found a way to make it your, your own. So a couple of things that I, I think would be cool to share with the sales force. Talk about your... Um, your what you instruct people on and what you think about as far as like knocking and, and your mentality as far as color and boxes <laughs> color and boxes yeah also, color I'm and glad boxes. that word has spread yeah so of course you you're referring to doors app yeah where everyone says has what's your goal and for the today it's interesting to me how so many people will be like oh i want to get three acs i want to get two vcs i want to get xxx they want to get all these things right all these metrics yeah and and then at the end of the day if they get nothing they're pissed off they're disappointed at themselves because they didn't do it and then they have a higher potential of shutting down and not working tomorrow and the next day and the next day so my whole strategy is to understand human behavior and the majority of human behavior is simply setting yourself up for a situation where it doesn't stress you out so that you can not be worrying about working tomorrow because most people when they get stressed they're going to shut down so my take is that my goal for today would be to work my hours that is it i don't care what i get in fact i hope a homeowner doesn't even answer the door i don't care it doesn't matter my goal is just to work the hours and whatever comes comes if i get nothing at the end of the day that's what i thought i was getting if i get three i'm always shocked if I get one, I'm shocked. Every day is a shock for me when I get a deal. I'm with a shadow every single day out in the field. And every time I transition to a, a meter, I look at them like, Jeez, I can't <laughs> believe worked. I just transitioned to a meter. <laughs> every time I'm just shocked. And at the end, I'm like, wow, I had a good day. doesn't matter if I got something or not. And that makes me more motivated to go out and work tomorrow. I, I just really believe that that's the best strategy. Yeah. You know, following pitches and, and, and following what a goal for the day or the quarter. I, I just really believe that that's setting yourself up mentally to be disappointed a lot at the end of the quarter or at the end of the week. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I've, I've thought about it. I don't know if I've said it to you, but it's like playing sales. You know, <laughs> yes. it's like I go out and where coloring boxes comes from is on our, you know, on our technology or on our app. When a customer answers, you disposition them. You know, you have preset dispositions where you can mark that they were home, not home, interested, not interested, yeah. whatever moving whatever and each box has a different color yeah right? I, love, I love filling in those colors <laughs> a majority of my area i work in the lower end areas and majority of my colors are red which means red for me would be not qualified due to roof being trash uh, shading on the house a renter or someone who's not interested that all categorizes the red a, zone red because i'm never going to go to that house again yeah yeah so you're just out there filling in boxes and it's 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 interesting because is you plug yourself into the system. We're seeing that more and more. Like people think that the key often to direct sales is to come in and like have this like incredible mental attitude and like just give it every single second of the day. And that, that works. I mean, you're in competition mode right now. So there's a lot of that. However, if you want to have a career, right, it's, it's kind of this quiet mentality you know we asked like a lot of people early on like do you have like what do you listen to to get you ready to go out to hood and like a lot of our top performers like i don't listen to anything like it's quiet in there like or i'm listening to a book or something like that it's not like i'm listening yeah. to like dunk 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 you know what i mean like yeah. no I'm, I'm getting like i'm getting to nothing i'm getting to neutral and then i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna put in and then whatever happens happens but inevitably the right thing happens Absolutely. over time yeah, it's interesting you, you brought up the silence thing, right? I didn't realize that 
that other top reps oh, really? don't listen to things. I didn't know that. Yeah. It, it's a lot in, of people have said that. Okay. That's interesting because uh, my wife makes fun of me all the time because I never turn the radio on. Ever. And it, I love music. And I, I just rarely never turn it on because I'm mm-hmm. always in thought process all the time. I get so distracted with how can I better my, my craft? How can I help the reps better? that I just completely don't listen to music. I'll get, because I focus only on the music. I won't focus on what I need to think about. Yeah, so I'm a lot that way. Yeah, when I used to work in the casino business years ago, which is- There's old, another thing. There's another thing, right? Yeah, I was 14 years in the casino business and I used to drive an hour each way to work. And for 14 years, I never turned the radio on. It was always an hour drive just thinking, an hour drive home just thinking. A lot of people would just go insane with that. Um, but it really makes me feel comfortable. Like my wife's Spanish. She speaks Spanish all the time and I don't speak much Spanish at all. I don't understand it. We've been married 11 years. And when she speaks Spanish, I kind of go into my own zone. I don't even listen to what's being said. I just like that kind of peacefulness for some reason. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. I think, uh, I think another thing that's kind of interesting about you aside from like the team's resilience and like, you're kind of like, um, I want to call it like quiet minded approach to selling it. There's a little bit of like a juxtaposition because you're not that way in my head with leadership. You know what I mean? Like with, yeah. with selling, you know, you, you, your expectation is to work the hours. you you have a detachment for results. So that would almost like classify you maybe to some people as like, Oh, I'm just pretty laid back. And I don't think that's how I describe you. I think you're easy, but I don't think you're laid back. And so when, when I look at the way you lead, from the programs to the systems to the mm-hmm. color coded chart to the this is how we do this everything you guys have the type of thing where if like all three of you guys were gone for like a month i could run your team because it's all planned out so we yeah. talk about your approach to leadership in that regard yeah I, I just really believe that if there's no structure in or organization then there's no organized team you, we can't just tell reps hey come whenever you want to correlation and go and sell without having proper trainings we can't you you just it just be so disorganized I mean over time over the years of being in the leadership positions we've tried so many different things and I really believe that I've figured out what's (laughs) what does work and what doesn't work Um, I still still trying new things till this till this day um, but we, we definitely have a really good structure system. Dave, Rich, and myself have sat down and we, we talk about a lot of things and really implemented some important stuff. And one of the things which we got from one of the other offices was a combine training manager, someone who can take on the role of training the combine reps and prepping them up to be able to now be released into our our arms basically yeah and uh and that's spring saunders so spring has been absolutely amazing at this position um it's it's just as if she basically has lived her entire life just for this position i can see that yeah just watching her train and and the influence that she has with the reps it's just great It, it really takes so much stress off of us and then she provides these reps with an amazing experience and training that when we get them, they already know everything that they're doing. So it, it hats off to her for that one. She's one of the ones I was thinking about, like when I've seen like the office go through its transitions and, and almost like its trials, Spring's always there. Yeah, absolutely. She's been with us for a while, um, but this position has definitely been made for her 100%. Um, we got some other people 
that I definitely wanted to recognize Marcus Mitchell. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's right now one of the four reps left in the originals region that's in that five-pitch competition. Oh, the streaks. Yeah, the so streaks, talk about yeah. what that is. Yeah, so uh, the streaks competition would be keeping track of your pitches, so doing five pitches per day and keeping track of that, submitting it in, and, and whoever doesn't do it in a day, I guess you're eliminated out of the competition. And now there's only four people left. How long has that been going now? Uh, it's been going for about a month, month and a half. Yeah. And it's supposed to be going until either the end of the quarter or two quarters. I'm just or until, saying. yeah, we're until, until somebody, the last yeah. man standing. Exactly. But in addition to that, he's also there's a six month challenge within our office. It started with about 21 people, and now we're down to about nine. What's that one? Six-month challenge is something I created over in my time in Mexico in late December during our break. And I was so angry with a lot of different things and said I need to absolutely push myself to higher limits. So I developed a six-month challenge, which was working six days a week, at least five hours per day without fail for six months. The only day off would be one. One day off, that's it. Sunday. It can be Sunday. It doesn't have to. For me, it's Sunday, yes. But for other people, it could be a different day. Okay. So we started with 21 people, and now we're down to nine. Marcus Mitchell is continuously in that. Cool. um, He's been – it's interesting. We we had him uh, recognized – we had him being recognized in front of the team on Tuesday, and he talked about where where he came from and how he's got to this point and what keeps him motivated throughout the way. Um, so it's been great to see see him grow in that aspect. But I pulled out his numbers from last year and compared him to this year so far in two and a half months. And he's on track to hitting what he did the entire year last year Jeez. in two quarters. Wow. Yes. Wow. So that's amazing. Yeah, he's one of those ones that's always had the talent, always had the ability. But finding your level and finding your consistency is an individual path in this job you have all the you have all the tips and 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 insight and and guidance of leaders but that's really something that you have to it's like growing up in like a fit family and then moving out and being like am i like do i and you have to find your own kind of path there you know what i mean um so who do you see now who who's across the industry across the team Who's got a story that you that you're just a fan of right now? Who's who's doing it? Right now, as for stories, I can't say stories, but I would say that there's two people, and we have to talk about them together. Yeah. They are absolutely, they're a couple. Yeah. Okay. So we power have, couple. Power couple. Yes. There's Carolina Monroy, and there's Eric Meza. Okay. And yes, they are in a relationship. They are a couple, and they are awesome. Um, what's interesting is. Uh, in the previous year, they have been a off and on kind of uh, statistics-wise, right? So it's, it's like a kill a quarter and then kind of not kill the quarter, then kill a quarter, not kill the quarter, right? Yeah, solar and, coaster. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's amazing because we know they can do it. It's just a matter of whether they want to do it consistently, right? And that comes down to just maybe just a minor mindset tweak. And what's interesting is that mindset tweak happened. It, it absolutely happened. We just had Eric Mesa of about three, four weeks ago. He had 14 VCs in a week and then followed it up with 17 the following week. VCs. So crazy. Yeah. <laughs> 21 closed. Wait, did I do that math wrong? 31 closed deals? Yeah, exactly. In, in two weeks. In two weeks. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So Rich. Most was, people don't do that in a quarter. Yeah. yeah. So Rich Basic, Rich Akore, uh, he 
was like, listen, man, no more VCs. Focus <laughs> on getting these caps closed, yeah. you know. And uh, that's what he's been doing for. So it's been mainly us three right now in this uh, revolution. And, and now we got Eric back. He's caught up. And now he's we're ready to kill it for the for the champ the last two weeks of this uh, revolution challenge that's cool yeah the uh it was fun to see them like they've just been crushing it so many there's the like yeah, over and over again so talk about the incentive that you gave to them uh so oh gosh yeah so they live in the high life it wasn't even an incentive what's interesting is if we told the team that if you get seven that you would win a weekend with a lamborghini and and go to a lakers game yeah i guarantee that he probably would have just stopped at seven or eight. Yeah. Right. But we didn't even have an incentive. In fact, at the beginning of the quarter, we just told the entire team, we're not having incentives for six months. We just cut out incentives. We were kind of tired of people would win the incentive and then just go complacent for a month. It would be weird. It would be yeah. just a death toll giving somebody a prize. Yeah. So now what was interesting is, they just earned it without even knowing they were earning it. They were just doing right? their thing as a reward. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's what it was. They got a, uh, they got the Lamborghini for, for a few days, and then they ended up going to the Lakers game, which was really great. I love seeing fun. that. Yeah, but I Carolina, that. she's she's uh, been in prime quite a few times, which is great. And both of them are on track for prime this quarter as well. She was joking last time I saw her. She's like, she's like, I just told him that he couldn't come home unless he had a certain amount of VCs. And I was like, all right, then. <laughs> exactly. Like, that seems to... Exactly. seems to be the thing that works. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. What are you, when you look towards the, the, the future of the team and like your leadership, what are you, what are you excited to accomplish? What, what's the next step for you? Yeah, so what's interesting is a couple of things that fire me up, right? Um, one thing is just watching numbers, just trying to always be near the top. The money isn't really the motivator for me. It really isn't. But just seeing myself in competition, I was telling somebody the other day that, hey, if you had just a pair of shoes that someone said you'll win, if you, I'll, I'll, I'll work hard for it. I'll try to win it, right? Um, but long term, I would say that it's all about the reps. It really is. I, I've, when I was younger, in my early, early days, 8, 9, 10 years old, I always wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a school teacher. That was crazy, right? And till this day, I love teaching people. Yeah, I just knew that there wasn't really any money in teaching, right? <laughs> so I ended up uh, now focusing a lot of my time on helping the reps grow. That's where I get my excitement is, is watching reps grow, seeing that they're jumping through levels um, and also helping them get through the tough times because I know that's, that's a part of this job is going through tough times and, and then coming back and coming back strong. Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, you know, we talk about levels in Tribe. We have goals to be level four and five leaders. But it's interesting when you look at, like, John Maxwell's five levels of leadership, it, it follows that, right? So first is his title. You're given a title or author, uh, like, authority to do a certain role, right? But then, so say that's DMs. Okay, you're a district manager. So, like, a level one leader says, you should follow me because I'm the boss. I'm the manager, right? That's level one. Level two is relationships. Well, Joe's a good guy. He's the manager, but I like him, right? <clears throat> level three is production. So now it's like, okay, well, I follow Joe because he's impressive, right? But level four, which is really cool to start to see for East LA, is multiplication. Mm -hmm. So that's well, Joe makes leaders, right? And then level five is kind of values and you're just the embodiment of something that people want to be. And so when I look at like how the team has evolved, right? Like when you first came over from the East Coast, 
you, you had relationships with some of the leaders, but you didn't know a lot of the reps. So you come in and yeah, yeah, you have title and you have, you start to build relationships. And a lot of times people don't, they think, oh, well, I had this on the East Coast. Well, that's in the East Coast. And a lot of people here don't know who you are, right? And so I, the thing that I respect about you is you're a good example of that because you started, you, you got to, if ever your job changes, you got to go through levels again, right? So whether you were selling solar and now you're selling medical equipment or the other way around or whatever, right? It's like, okay, first I have the title, but next it's relationships. I got to like connect with all you guys. But then you got to see what I can do, even though you've done it before. Yeah. Right? You got to see what I can do. And then, now it's about building other leaders. So it's cool to see like Eric and Carolina and Spring and Marcus and all these people starting to take roles because that's, that's that level that we strive. And, and your job's happier, right? Like when you're doing it all yourself, it's cool for a time, but then eventually it's like, it just doesn't fulfill yeah. you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's, it's definitely not just me. I mean, Rich, uh, Corey, Dave Edwards, myself, we, we pull together this influence within the office. I mean, it's it, we rotate squads every month now, and that gives every single rep a taste each, each month mm-hmm. of how we how we manage and and what kind of advice and help that we can give. That rotation is is incredible. A lot of people needed that change who were stuck on squads with different DMs, and now they get a taste of maybe they can mesh better with somebody else. It's really good, a good opportunity for for the reps. Um, but I wanted to take a step back to the entitlement. I think that's the word for um, a lot of people who who feel that they're entitled to something rather than just succumbing to the, the nature of the rules, right? Um, so coming out from East Coast to West Coast, I kind of I humbled myself to be able to not have en- to not have entitlement for that and just kind of go through the ropes. I was you told me back then to say, hey, got to be demoted to the rep. Okay, I guess I got to be demoted to rep, right? It's as simple as that. And this is what you got to do in order to earn your, your, your badge back. All right, let's get, let's get it done. Let's well, I hope that this would come up because this is one of my, like, when you're not around and I talk about you, this is one of my favorite things about you. Because the way that you handled your growth here was really impressive to me. And I don't think a lot of people know that story. So you were running a team in New Jersey. And for a while, you're running it by yourself, correct? There was a period of time that was, yeah, yes. Yeah, so you knew how to do it and all that kind of stuff. And we, you know, we try to be values-based, but it's not always perfect, and I'm not a perfect leader. And so when you came over, the expectation was, oh, well, I'm a leader, so I'll continue to be a leader. And we had a couple conversations that I wouldn't even call them hard, but they were probably not exactly what you wanted to hear and just to kind of level set. And so the conversation was, hey, well, that opportunity, you gotta earn it here because these guys don't know you, like five levels of leadership, right? You gotta like move up. And I know that you didn't like that answer and I know that you didn't like that reality, but you're just like such a man about stuff and such like a performer. And I've always appreciated that we can talk about what we're talking about. It's not a whole bunch of like fluffy stuff around the point to hope you get it. We can talk about what we can talk about, which is a really cool trait. And so the answer was, hey, build influence on the team. And then you did that and you're promoted to DM but I know you wanted more of a role than you got initially and felt like you deserved it. And honestly, maybe you did, right? But you're like, okay, well, I don't like it. So I'm just gonna go. And when we talk to people all the time about, I was in a conversation yesterday with somebody and I was like, your problem is you and the competition are kind of neck and neck. And maybe someone's a little better than you and we're talking about a promotion. But if you're the clear choice, you don't have those conversations. from there, you know, you took the percentage that you wanted more of 
and you just made yourself the clear choice. And so quickly after that, you got right to the level that you wanted to be at. But you got there with all of the influence of the team, all of the support. And now you have the story where it's like, there was a guy who had like built it up on the East Coast. He came over and he ain't scared to build it again. And that's who you are. And you got right to where you wanted to be. Yeah, so we kind of talked earlier about the the weird mindset that I have on certain things, right? So all those things, yes, you're 100% right. Just because I don't like them, and maybe I'm a little upset about the things that sometimes people tell me, that I don't shut down, right? Yes. So in those cases, I'll reflect on it, and I'll still, I'll hold that anger, I will, but how I channel my anger is different than most people. When I get pissed off or angry about something, it actually fires me up to go want to be more successful yeah. rather than just being like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, then screw you, I quit. Exactly. See how you do without me. Yep. So anytime somebody pisses me off, that's probably the worst thing that somebody wants to do if they want to beat me in something. <laughs> yeah, I know that about you. Remember at the beginning of the year, we're like, stay angry, Joe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, I'm just going to get pissed off. Don't talk to me for a while. And then you started doing, you know, seven, eight welcome calls a week. We're like, dude, stay mad. <laughs> like, exactly. That's exactly how it worked. Um, but I was, I was actually essentially really upset about my performance in Q4. Um, looking at it over my uh, Christmas break in Mexico, it just, I had my worst quarter in Q4. 2021 and it was just unacceptable to me no matter on all levels on all levels and it's real easy to sit back and be like oh it was home upgrades and I have all these accounts in the pipeline that couldn't get installed and all this stuff but the reality was was I wasn't working as much as I should you know and and the accounts I could have had a lot more in the pipe that were ready to go and again, it comes from the previous quarters, which sets you up for today, right? If I, if I didn't work as hard in Q3 or beginning of Q4, then it's my fault for the things not going in in Q4. And that's why I had my worst quarter. And I said, you know what? I didn't like that feeling. It pissed me off. And now I'm going to have to make sure it never happens again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you're really good at that. Like, it never takes a pep talk. Like, you, you know where you need to be and you know where you need to go. And that's why you're such a joy to work with. Like, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where I know you're on it you know yeah. and that's not something that you could say about every other person but like i know you're i never question your commitment i never question the loyalty to the cause and i know that you're way harder on yourself than your leaders are ever going to be on you so we're good like yeah. you do all the hard work you know what i mean um i always ask the question what advice would you give to new reps rather than that what advice would you give to new leaders yeah so we'll start off with the reps discipline is something that has to be uh developed for the reps so the first thing is it's like so cliche to say but it's so the truthful thing it's having a calendar it really is organizing your day and then knowing what you're gonna sacrifice to replace it with the work hours there's always that sacrifice because nobody signed up for that six-month challenge saying hey I got I got nothing to do during those six days, yeah. you know, that I have yeah. to now work five I'm days when open. I was used to working two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like what are, what are the things that they are willing to sacrifice in their day to fill with now money making activity? A lot of things could be watching TV, video games, just going out to eat more time with time with the family. There's a lot of things that we have to sacrifice in order to make these things happen. So they have to understand that they're sacrificing something and know what it really is particularly for them so that they can be disciplined enough to follow that calendar, right? The other thing is I, I developed something in my mind called a trigger, right? These triggers are something that makes you so mad 
that if you are in the field and you want to go home, it's not it's not going to keep you out in the field to say, eh, let me just work another hour. Mm-hmm. That's not going to motivate you. You have to have something that angers you so much that if you don't continue working, that you feel embarrassed to yourself or it makes a butterfly in your stomach. So I do have a trigger that I will say out loud when I don't want to go to work because I go through the same as mental aspects as everybody else. I just have the abilities and certain tricks to work around them. So should I even say Yes, it? <laughs> I'm waiting. Okay, so I honestly can't stand when people are being little bitches about stuff. That, yeah. that actually bothers me sure. to no end uh, when, when reps complain about have, being sick or they're not feeling well and stuff like that. They'll come to me and I'll act as their doctor, right? The unlicensed doctor. Oh, you're not feeling good? That's okay. It's probably best that you go out there and you'll feel good after your work because you'll probably get sure. a deal. Right? That's how I conduct my business. And I, that's kind of what I expect from everybody. So when I'm in the field, if I don't feel like working the extra hour or two, I'll say to myself, all right, Joe, stop being a little bitch. Just keep working, stop being a little bitch. Because if I go home right now, I'm going to be like everybody else who I don't like being a little bitch about. Yeah. And it's funny, my wife knows <laughs> my trigger. So anytime that I, I'm feeling lazy, she's like, Joe, stop being a little bitch. How does it work when someone else says it to you? Same it, effect? It, it angers me. All right. Yeah, it, it's same effect. It, yeah. it actually gets me gets me angry. Yeah, yeah. So that will, if, so if we're in a competition, you probably want to say that to me, and I'll appreciate that. Okay. It'll, it'll, I'm in on it. It'll make me work harder. Yeah. What about leaders? So leaders, the number one thing with leadership is is influence, in my opinion. So you can be the best seller in the world. If nobody respects you on a personal level, then it means nothing at all. So the first thing that we that I've learned over time, I'm a very closed kind of person. I actually am very bad in my personal life with reaching out to friends and family. And, and I've been like that my entire life. So unfortunately, that was something that I really lacked in leadership on the East Coast and the beginning of being on the West Coast. I never reached out to reps other than seeing them at correlations and things hmm. like that. And then just about a year and a half ago, it all kind of just clicked for me and I was like, you know what, this has to happen. I need to make sure that I make time for this to happen because influence in the office with the reps is so important. And I truly wanted to understand them better yeah. and, and get into that that aspect with the reps where we can be on a conversation at a level without talking about business, right? Because it's not all about business. Yeah. And so I would say that that is the number one thing that a lot of people lack or a lot of leaders lack in the industry is taking that time to learn the reps. I think, dude, I think that's great advice. It seems so simple, but you know what to do when you know the person, you know, yep. like if your wife is, is having a hard time, you, you how long you say you've been married? 11 years. 11 years yeah. So you know her and you also know what to do. But if you don't know her, then it's like, well, like, I, I, my options are so limited and it's it's weird because in that regard we were talking about this on a podcast just earlier but people often don't want to open themselves up to be vulnerable and connect like that but once you understand oh you know joe's okay with a little bit of anger in fact it kind of pushes him so i'm not going to call him when he's mad and be like hey bro you're being hard on yourself because honestly that works for you now some people anger shuts them down mm-hmm. and clams them up so maybe that person I need to be like hey you're being too hard on yourself just lighten up and go, you know, come with me or whatever. We'll see what we can do. So I think, I think that's great advice. And honestly, it also helps you. I don't know now. I look at it like customers. Like when you look at a sales cycle from prospecting, qualifying, presentation, objections, closing, and then going back through the cycle. 
we always talk about qualifying is the one step that most people skip altogether. They usually just prospect and present. They go up to the door and knock it and tell them about the product. Mm-hmm. They don't step back for a second and say, who is this person and what makes them tick? It's the same thing that happens in offices. Like leaders often don't step back and say, who is this person and what makes them tick? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a person that has low self-confidence. Once you get that, you know what to do. If you don't get that, you're firing blind. It might work, it might not. It's so much harder, you yeah, know? I've, I've just been introducing triggers to only certain people who come to me, who are more on a personal level with me, because it's something that you have to really be careful with bringing up to certain people about, hey, what's something that really makes you mad? A lot of people won't want to share that with you. But the ones who are open, it's been working well for them in the field to be able to do the same thing I do, but it's just a different trigger for mm-hmm. them, right? Yeah, and if it's against some outcome you don't like, I, I think everybody that that is in a performance-based job identifies with the idea that you perform because you want to feel a certain way and you don't like the way it feels when you don't make yourself proud. Yeah, I totally understand that feeling. Like Whether you go home at 6.45 or 7.15 to the rest of the world, whatever. But like when you go home and you're like, really? Really? 6.52? Really? You know what I mean? And it's like, I just don't like the way it feels, so you stay out later. You know exactly. what I'm saying? That's awesome. <laughs> well, hey, man, I appreciate having you on the, on the podcast. We didn't get to your last face of Joe, which is actor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just last night, Joe texted me. He's like, the rap video's in, and he's like the main star of a rap video. So <laughs> there you go yeah. for episode two. Yep, right? that, absolutely. So for episode two, but for episode one, you got to add this in here. My wife, Maggie, she is an absolute rock. I would not be even doing this at all if it wasn't for her. In, in the beginning, I was. she worked in the field with me. She continues at times to work with me as well. And in the beginning, I would knock doors and have the same struggles as everybody else, and I would be a little bitch. <laughs> I would be like, I'm, I want to go home. I don't want to do this anymore. And she'd be like, just suck it up. This is the best opportunity that we have. And it's and every every time I get into a down, she's always there to bring me back up. Should we two clap for Maggie? Dude? Two clap. <laughs> All right, there it is. Thanks for joining us on Electric People. We'll see you next time. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, just DM us on Instagram and one of us will reach out about how to join this dynamic opportunity. You want to come be a part of the best sales team, solar team in the industry? Hit us up. Sunrun. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.